Ready? Welcome to Rhythm and Pixels. It's a video game music podcast with two hosts. My name is Rob Nichols. Wait, two hosts? Yeah, there's two hosts. There's I'm me. I am me. Okay. This is what the show's turned into for now. You are you. I am me, and you are... I am v- Vu. He is Vuan. <coughs> there it is. Yeah, I'll go Vuan. That's my buddy, Pernell. How's my name, it going? My name is Rob. We're out of touch again of, because I, we've been traveling. Traveling again. So this is a video game music podcast where we listen to some of our greatest, most favorite pieces of video game music. Um, last week... Uh, I was traveling a bit, so I decided to do a little bit of a mixtape and extend the fishing game music dance party into like a 20-minute long, you know, epic of Sega bass fishing and what have you. I just think it's amazing how much the fishing theme seemed to catch on with everybody. (laughs) People loved it. I am so happy they did. Uh, But let's get started with today's topic and today's guest. Uh, This month of August, we have... Um, just a whole bunch of wonderful people coming on the show. It's going to be a barrage of interesting adventures and social expansions. That make no sense, but the <laughs> point is you'll hear a lot of fresh voices and some returning favorites, including today's. That's right. Today, we have Chris Baines returning to the podcast. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I got thumbs over here. You know, we don't have cameras on, but I, I can see the thumbs. <laughs> oh, they're up, baby. They're way up. <laughs> Yeah, baby. So how have you been, good sir? Last I saw you, you were just getting off of stage after performing an awesome set at BitGen GamerFest. Yeah, um, I have been very... Actually, I've been not as busy now that BitGen is over. Uh, that usually takes up a lot of time in July. But um, yeah, it was great. I, it was great to see you there. I, had, I haven't seen you in, in person in quite some time. Uh, it was a lot of fun. A lot of great bands: uh, Super Madness, Power Glove, uh, Lame Genie, mm. Steel Samurai, obviously Rare Candy, some some Master Sword. Uh, just an awesome, an awesome night. A uh, great, uh, great time. Just, just a lot of fun. We should, did you have a Did you have a good time? Yeah. Did you enjoy yourself? Yeah, I missed oh, I had it. a great time. Only that sucked. Yeah, was, Rob, where were you? I was. I think I was coming back from. Where were you? Where was Rob? I? I was coming back from the Delaware beaches that 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 time. Yeah, that is true. Cause you have you were doing things with your family <sighs> yeah, that weekend. Yeah, family excuse. Yeah, I know. Because I remember I I was in actually in Northwest Pennsylvania that oh. week, and then I drove from there to Baltimore for Bitgen, and I got in at like eight thirty. I was like, I'm not here for most of it, but I'm going to be here for that awesome end. And I walked into the door and I said, how much to get it? I really got to pee. And the guy gave me a number. I was like, whoa, no <laughs> discount for showing up late. <laughs> I was like, nope, I was like, sadly. no. I was like, all right, here, take the money. I got to the bathroom. And by the end of the night, I was like, no, I don't regret this. I saw friends. I heard good music. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I would have paid $27 for a show that would have been half that long if it was that good. <laughs> so it worked out well. Well, we should tell our listeners that Chris Baines, um, he is from, I must say the band, but you, it's Chris Baines Music, um, and you do excellent uh, rock and metal uh, guitar covers of excellent game music, and you are also um, in the group Rare Candy, right? Yep, I do. Uh, I do the bass and I do the arranging for some of the songs in do Rare Candy. Bass. I think uh, when I first saw you it was at Otakon like eight years ago, and I think you were playing. 
I think you were the only one playing like lead guitar or something. Or I wasn't. Ah, oh, yeah. I, I switched to lead guitar for. Well, I, I played lead guitar for Chrono Trigger before we got a guitar. So yeah, we got that's a what it was. Smelly. Um, yeah, I, I switched over to, to guitar for only for Chrono Trigger. Um, and I'm that so glad those days were over though because I had to lug a bass cab and a guitar cab and a bass and a guitar <laughs> with me to every show we played and it was just and then sound checked both of them and it was just oh terrible so now that we have a full time guitarist I can just kind of do my, my bass thing which is nice and oh. relaxing well five years maybe even more than that prior to that it was 99 and 2000 um, I was a DJ at the rave at Oda, at the same Otakon, at the same place in Baltimore when it was still in Baltimore. In 99? Yeah, 99 and 2000. 99 was my first uh, my first year there. Yeah, mine first too. Year going to I went there because I was like, hey, I want a DJ gig. And they're like, here you go. And I'm like, I'm 19. And I'm like, hell yeah. Anime. Nice. That's awesome. Um, but it was, it was very similar because I had, you know, it was before... Um, you know, a lot of you know, CDs were very common in the DJ booths and computers were now nowhere to be found in the DJ booths. So I carried all my vinyl records in one <laughs> in one arm and all my clothes in another. And it was so heavy. So, so heavy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's you were going times to, have changed. I mean, you both were going to Otakon before I started going to Otakon. Yeah, so we're we're showing our age now, too, which yeah. is a little scary. Yeah. Yeah. We all know I'm an ancient beast on this thing. <laughs> we're I mean, all ancient. Like seven or eight years ago. <laughs> yeah. And like even then, I was like, I don't, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, no, that, that was when, 18 years ago. No, no, no. When ago. we saw you. When I, when I, oh, 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 oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I saw you for the first I was time. Say 99 was. Yeah. Oh, I not. saw a glorious beard. <laughs> no, no, he did not. No, he did not. <laughs> back then, you did not have uh, a glorious beard back then. Yeah, m- mom, Sadly. dad, nope, did not do that. <laughs> nope. Mm mm. Maybe 2000. Uh, anyway, so um, we are going to talk about, and it was a great suggestion from you, although it was a little difficult, uh, creative games or, or creativity within games. Um, creation games. Creative creation. Games. Yes, creator games where you yeah. feel like you're making something. You're putting it together. Right. It's your baby. Or like you think you're playing a game, but really you're... You're being mined for information. <laughs> you're building a city. <laughs> Anyway, um, well, what what made you think of this topic? Like, what 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 brought this up to you, for you? Well, I wanted to tie it in with one of one of the tracks, so I could <laughs> you know, sh- shameless self promotion oh, um, yeah, 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 from yeah. from my new album, but which we'll get to way later on. But uh, I also mm-hmm. thought it was a cool thing that I don't think you guys had done yet, and uh, I thought it would just be something that would be kind of out there and interesting. And it was a lot more difficult for me to find tracks uh, for this than I expected. <laughs> So it was a, it was a fun little challenge, but I also just have been kind of I feel like these kind of games have been at the forefront lately. Have just been kind of like a big part of uh, the gaming world over the last few years. That they, they've just kind of sprouted up and just become kind of a mainstay. And uh, I, a lot of people I feel like just don't really I feel like the music gets lost in these games, and they have fantastic music for some of these that, that I've played. And I wanted to you know talk with you guys and uh, and share some of uh, our favorites. All right, well, first and foremost, okay. there is no such thing as shameless self-promotion on this show. Oh, yeah, no, You no, come no. out and <laughs> talk. You're on our show because we love you, and we're like, yes. Better believe it. Got all. Second of all, sucker. <laughs> I am glad to hear that you brought up a challenging topic, and it also challenged you because this was a three-way confrontation of complications, uh-huh. and ultimately, we all came through with flying colors. Yeah, so why don't you get us started off? We'll get started with some great music, and we'll get we'll get Gabin. So, what's your first? What was your first pick that you wanted to play, Chris? 
Uh, <laughs> God, I can't remember. It was a little big planet track. Okay. Um, do you remember the, the title? I actually sent it to you guys. Yeah, no, I, I know. I, I've got it. This is uh, Dancing Drums. Yes. From Little Big Planet. From- um, the and the interesting thing about the Little Big Planet soundtrack, before we get into this, we can talk more about sure. it afterwards. But the entire soundtrack was all licensed music, so this was like kind of like a a weird pick for me because it's not actually made for the game. Mm. Uh, they license all the music. So this is actually an, an artist that didn't make this directly for the game. Oh, oh interesting. Wow. So this is Ananda Shankar, dancing drums for Little Big Planet for the PlayStation Three.
Okay, we're back. You're listening to Dancing Drums, composed by Ananda Shankar for, not for Little Big Planet, but <laughs> this was uh, licensed for Little Big Planet for the PlayStation 3. That's amazing. This isn't a, this, I love this sound, that kind of like 70s, like rock slash disco vibe with that kind of, this Eastern uh, percussion and, and um, uh, string elements. Great find. It's just yeah, it's, I love that track so much because it's all over the place. It, like it, you, you think it's kind of like kind of getting traditionalish, and then it comes in with this crazy synth solo, and then it just kind of like everything drops out and then just goes to the drum. It's just I, I, I don't know. I've, I was in love with this track the first time I listened to the Little Big Planet soundtrack. The first time I played it and heard it, um, and the the whole soundtrack is just filled with gems like this that are just really different and out there and just not quite uh not quite like any of the mainstream stuff you hear uh today it's it's very very uh unique and i will say that the art not the well i guess it only counts the art and level design and the little in the sock boy character designs really go well with the music vibe that comes from the tracks that exist on the ost it's wow. just a genuine gem of a game that's really cool that means like the developers really were like they like they knew their deep cuts because Ananda Shankar, he passed in 1999. Really? Yeah, so this track, I th- it doesn't say, I can't find exactly when. It was re-released in 2010, but like this was like, I think he, this was this track was released in the 70s or the 80s. So you'd say they likely seek this track out. Yeah. So he was working in India, late 70s and 80s, and then in, um, in the ni- late 90s, his music was re-released on Blue Note Records, which is uh, Miles Davis's um, al- al- album, and they used to re-release like really crazy deep cuts of jazz music. And I have a whole lot of them, so I might actually have this somewhere. That is awesome. Um, I had no idea that it was that old. I-, I assumed that it was they were going for a retro, a retroish sound. No, uh, yeah. Oh, this, they were. They just managed to find it. This is this, no, <laughs> this is yeah. This is genuine. So someone like knew this. Um, he is actually the nephew of Ravi Shankar. Um, the ubiquitous now that's the name player. I recognize because yeah. I was yeah, when, I, you, when I, you named the composer I was like I remember a TV show like kind of made like a bit of a like reference to him it was like yeah. Ravi Shankar I was like oh Ravi Shankar pretty pretty cool yeah did um, Indian classical material um, sitar based versions of popular hits from the Rolling Stones and the Doors <laughs> it's amazing that's insane yeah I had no idea I didn't dig it all for this I'm glad you uh, you, you took a peek because that's that's interesting. I'm learning stuff now. Yeah, the, once you told me, I was like, oh, this is a, a license track. I'm like, I got to know. This is too cool. This is like, it's, it's either this awesome band doing something super classic or they actually found like an actual crazy, funky, genuine. <laughs> and it's kind of yeah. cool too, because while we were on the break, we were having a bit of a conversation about how we were comparing games with licensed tracks. And you mentioned Tony Hawk. And I kind of veto. I was like, yeah, but Tony Hawk has a bunch of popular hits, like such bad, such awesome bands as Bad Religion and whatever. And then you go that these are artists that we probably don't recognize, but they're popular in other countries and the like, which never even clicked to with me. I just figured, hey, they just found some guy's music and they just offered to pay for it and to use it. But now I want to go start mining for some of this stuff. Yeah, you see, if there's some like, yeah. unsung heroes in my world that I need to look into and hear more of. Yeah, there's some bigger. I think there are mostly European artists um, on there. European, maybe even maybe Asian. Um, but my buddy, I was talking to him at practice uh, at Baron Practice one time um, from a, a band I used to play with years ago. Uh, but we were talking about the band Battles. I finally remembered the name of the band, and uh, 
yeah, he was just, you know, just kind of going off about, you need to listen to this. I was like, why does it sound so familiar? And I was like, and then it clicked and it was like, oh yeah, they do a song for the Little Big Planet soundtrack. And apparently they're a huge band uh, over in Europe. And even, you know, they have a following over in, in the U.S. too, but just, I had Same no idea. See, I need that kind of love because the Jet Set Radio soundtrack is why I started listening to European music in the first place. And just, like, just spiraling down the rabbit hole. <laughs> And I never came back. Yeah, that's over, right. Never came back to America. I stayed. <laughs> <laughs> you stayed out there. All right. The so, well, um, what? What's the first pick that you've found for us? Oh, I see how it is. Make me follow that awesome choice. <laughs> yeah, I think we've all got some amazing tracks. <laughs> well, let's see what I can do here. Um, my first thought when we came up when when he brought up the topic of creation games or games of creativity is an off a long-standing series that never really gets as much love as it should and that's the RPG Maker franchise. So yes. I came out with a track from the game RPG Maker 2003 mm-hmm. and it is the boss theme one track. I have no idea who the composer is and I could not find it, but it is the game's, you know, included soundtrack, mm-hmm. not the not fan-made stuff. So I just went with Enterbrain, the company that developed it. That's yeah, for these the these these maker titles, like especially the RPG maker titles, it's hard to find like who composed the original music, especially since, since the later versions of these they allowed you a lot of them had like music creation, like a rudimentary like music creation within the game. Mm-hmm. So it was like, yeah, well, you know, it could be anything, but these were like built into the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, let's check it out. Boss theme one. Listening to the boss number boss theme number one from the game RPG Maker 2003, and I have no idea who wrote it. So we're <laughs> just going to go with Enterbrain. The corporation got a guy. He wrote it, and it was good. It was very. I love that baseline. It's just like it's. It doesn't change throughout the whole track, but I love all those little solos that are going on. The little that little bluesy jazz, like little like little guitar lick at the very beginning. I'm like, yeah. There's a fine level I'm of into this going on in this bad boy. This is a dark boss theme, man. Yeah. Look, it sounds 
It, it, when I was like envisioning it and I was listening to it, it doesn't sound like an RPG battle to me. It sounds like a Genesis beat 'em up boss. Yeah, hmm. that was the vibe I was getting. So now I'm just pitched. So you're you're talking like Streets of Rage, like two fat boys with baseball caps <laughs> blowing yeah, fire. Yeah, Streets of Rage. Yeah, dude. Now you got it. <laughs> you are you're reviving 100 percent with what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's the drum beat I think too that that is really that that kind of like slow, uh, straightforward drum beat mm. that. Just that, that's straightforward, you know. It's not really when I think, think of RPG battle music, I always think of more of like that fast paced, you know. Um, the BPM's a lot higher, but that's just more like kind of like slow moving, like a slow moving kind of fight that I would hear in a beat em up. That I, that's just kind of what I'm. Well, it's I'm funny here. you say that because I was actually looking up videos of this one because I never got to play RPG Maker 2003. You played a bunch of them, didn't you? Yeah, I played them back yeah. in the day, like a lot of the older ones. I guess we can say that these these games you don't play them; you play with them. Exactly, because right. well, sure. sort of, yeah, because you know people make a game, they'll upload it, and you can play their RPGs and stuff like that. And I played a few people's RPGs on one of the classic ones, and I tried to make my own ones, which was complicated, but I tried. Um, but I was surprised to hear about this one because it released originally in 2003, but it didn't actually come to the States via English translation until 2015. But it asked, um, touching on your comment about it sounded like a beat-em-up sort of sound, yeah. this one actually offered you the means to make a Tales of style be on RPG 2, which uh, sounds awesome to oh, me. like an action RPG. Yeah, oh, like fun. running left to right and slashing and punching dudes. Yeah. So in a sense... This would be pretty good for a beat 'em upish style RPG if you want to make it that all your characters were brawlers. I like that. I like that. Yeah. stuff like that. Interesting. Interesting. But, As a, uh, RPG Maker, a lot of people say like that was their first like game development like uh, program that they worked on before like trying to make games and, uh, and you know other other uh, programming languages. And like, it's awesome because they're keeping it alive too. Like I want to say yeah. RPG Maker Fez came out this year sometime recently. If not, it's coming soon. And then next year. We're getting what RPG Maker MX, I believe. Yeah, I see. The, I see. Um, I follow developers on Twitter, and a lot of people are still creating things through that because it's just you can do so much with it. Mm-hmm. It's very cool. all of those things with all those like old programs or, or, mm-hmm. or games, like the creation games. If you like dig far enough, there's still people doing stuff in everything now, which is wow. totally crazy. Like there's still people using uh, RPG Maker left and right. You were just saying and. And little big planet levels. There's still people making original little big planet levels. Like that's still a thing that's happening, which is kind of crazy. One of the um, the first things that got me involved in programming when I was younger was an old DOS game called ZZT. Have I ever talked about this? ZZT. ZZT in DOS, and it's it's. I mean, it was just like all text where you moved a happy face around the screen, and like enemies would come at you, and you press a button, and it would shoot asterisks. <laughs> shoot um, asterisks. <laughs> But it had this, had a whole creation part of the game where you can like create levels, you can create NPCs, and you can script out what every object on the screen does. Mm -hmm. Um, And that really kind of sparked my interest in game creation and and programming in general. And there's something especially Mm -hmm. nice about the fact that it's been established that if your game is good enough and the right people see it, it can become a full-blown release. Like A lot of people don't realize that that's where Corpse Party comes from. Where what? There's a game series called Corpse Party. Corpse Party oh, is Corpse a horror Party. series yeah. where you're like a bunch of kids trapped in like a otherworld elementary school and like the ghosts of children and teachers are trying to kill you or whatever. But it was done in RPG Maker, the oh, original nice. first two games. So if you huh. boot up, if you play the old Corpse Party knowing this, you'll start noticing it's like, why do all the characters have hit point gauges even though there's no battles in this game and whatnot? And it's because. 
that's the interface they used to create the game. They used RPG Maker, but the entire game is not an RPG. It just uses RPG Maker elements. It's really cool. Wow. Is that only the first one, or is that both of them? The very first one, for sure, but I think the second one did it, too. Hmm. That's really interesting. I played that game, actually. Well, I didn't finish it, but I, I played through some of it. It was, and honestly, it was disturb. It was bizarrely creepy considering yeah. how it was. Like it was, the graphics were very much eight bit to sixteen bit sprite people, and there was nothing really that nothing really stood out. But there was sound. They put sound to use in such a way in that game oh, that's cool. that it was unsettling. Through RPG yeah, Maker, they, they, they it was really cool. Utilized audio in that way. I like mm-hmm. that. I like that. All right, I'm gonna play some music from something that really brought this whole like game creation, game creator, game into the mainstream. This is from Mario, Super Mario Maker for, for the Nintendo Wii, Wii U. I think it was on the Wii U originally, and then it got some ports. But okay. Wii U is where you, where you go. Right, so... Oh, it's uh, just Wii U and 3DS. 3DS got a port. There it was. So, I'm waiting on that Switch port, Nintendo. <laughs> no, it's, you know it's coming. They'd be fools oh, yeah, to I know. do it. Um... So through Mario Maker, there's music that plays. You can you can choose to play classic uh, music on some of the levels. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some of it's kind of remastered. Some of it's kind of done up with uh, newer instrumentation. But when you're creating the stages, there's sort of like remixes and, re- and arrangements based on some of those songs while you're creating the music. So this is the creation theme from Super Mario Brothers Underground theme from Super Mario Maker for the Nintendo Wii. And for this one too, I couldn't find the artist. Maybe I'll just go with Koji Kondo. We'll know, like a safe yeah. hit. We know Koji Kondo did the original arranged by... Not sure.
is the creation music in Super Mario Brothers. Super Mario. Okay, hold on. In Super Mario Maker, this is the creation music when doing the Super Mario Brothers Underground theme music for the Nintendo Wii. <laughs> so there's three types of themes you can go with. You can do the Super Mario Brothers one theme, Super Mario World, or New Super Mario Brothers when you're creating. And those are like they each have their own different like rules and physics. Um, and they have obviously their 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 own uh, music as well. So that's what that means when when you're reading that is. It's when you're using that Super Mario Brothers, new Super Mario Brothers theme, that this is what you're hearing when you're creating uh, underground stuff. Yeah. Underground theme. Looks like it's funny. What I'm coming across well, here. I'm sorry. I, I know you found something. I think so. I'm going to go with this because I see it on the internet, so it has to be true. So, if this was the ground theme version that was used for the Super Mario Brothers game, or underground, underground. Yeah, then it would have been uh, pretty much composed as a source from. Actually, yeah, these are just reused from the other one. So. It's reused, it was reused from that game. Oh, uh, so it's from. I said to that, but no, I, think, I may have been an erasement for Mario Brother from Super Smash Brawl, but because all I'm seeing is like erasement supervisor like Saki Kasuga, Kasuga, um, but that might be a different person from this. So I take what I, I take back what I said. I might be thinking about a, a very a very wrong version of the game song. There's a lot going on with this blasted game. Yeah, there is a lot. There's, I mean, the mu- original music, of course, is classic and it's really. Um, you know, it's memorable, but then these arrangements are really, really cool. Like there was a lot of creativity and a lot of work uh, behind it. I recommend uh, to the listeners out there go check out some people doing like these insane Mario Maker levels because that's what got me into the game. I started watching people on YouTube uh, do these insane challenges, uh, and there's like gazillions of them out there. There's there's a ton of different uh, levels. There's a ton of different. Um, uh, content, content creators out there uh, making these things, but they're just insane, and the people like playing them are so incredibly good. But that's what got me into the Mario Maker, and then I eventually went and got it myself. Actually, no, I'll take that back. I borrowed it from, uh, from all you know, Mike TV. Uh, oh yeah, Bridgeway. Shout out to shout out to Mike. Um, he let me borrow it, and I, I still have his copy <laughs> two years <laughs> later. But um, uh, really, really cool game. Just a lot of fun, and it's very easy. It's definitely one. Like Little Big Planet was kind of tough to uh, to put some things together with, but Mario Maker has the perfect um, simplistic UI. It is incredibly easy um, to build levels. It, it, it makes a lot of sense. Nintendo really nailed it. I feel like with that one. I have to agree with you there because I remember when I first bought the game and started dabbling with it. My first thought was this could put Mario Brothers 2D out of business because they give you all the tools that they're probably using to make their actual levels, and it's yeah. all grid based, so you can kind of see how things would space properly. You can actually, when you make a gap, for example, like for him to jump over, yeah, you can see just how many like jump blocks it would take for him to make the jump. Oh, it so actually like gives, it. gives like a preview of like, okay, your arc could... Oh, not so much the arc, but it's like, far. it's all gridded. It's like all squares. Yeah. So you establish, like, by just playing around with it, you'll establish Mario's basic hop is uh, three squares. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, six squares is probably a running hop. Or if you go over seven squares, you're probably going to put a block in the middle somewhere, some way for him to extend his leap. Hmm. But they make it very easy to do spacing and very easy to do block and item placements and stuff and gauge. Like, say, for example, you hit a square, mushroom pops out. 
it makes it easy for you to kind of project where it's going to go and where it's going to land and then how it's going to take what route it's going to take it's just very I like that. very intuitive yeah like and that. I'm going to try these composers and I'm selling on it okay alright Koji Kondo Naoto Kubo and Asuka Hayazaki and there was a lot of different arrangers and in fact there was some that was like from Bandai like Bandai arranged some of the stuff in this interesting so huh. it had a lot going on with this game it was deep it might have, this could have been a conspiracy game over at Nintendo. I don't yeah, know. This is a game that I, I've been very interested in because I do like like pure gameplay. All you gotta do is come over and hang out. I know, I know. It's sitting there. It's, you're like, I'm not playing it ever. <laughs> I actually wonder if you can still get levels now. Like I actually tried to get all, like I was saying earlier oh, on the yeah. break. Oh yeah, for sure. I thought the Wii U's networks were all shut down, but I hooked mine up last night and was playing some stuff. Store still up. Which makes me no, the cool. Wii. The Wii is shut down. The Wii U is still up. Wii U is still up. In that case, get them levels. If you can go to Kaizo Mario, um, check out um, awesome video games done quick. Um, the uh, the the weekly mar- or the week long marathon they do every year for for charity. There's always like a huge long uh, Mario Maker blind run from like these uh, these amazing players. They get them all together and they just they get these levels they've never seen before and they have to like do them and there's usually like maybe a teams of like three or four people and they, and they cycle through all the stages i gotta it's ask really this cool. to you two also by the way am i the only one who has seen people do the kaizo mario style levels kaizo mario is pretty much mario extreme essentially yeah. so Ka- kaizo mario is they were um rom hacks like the original rom hacks mm-hmm. for super mario brothers super mario world um where they were just evil pure yes. evil and then i think you know, Mario Maker's like, okay, everybody, hop on in. <laughs> Go nuts. Want to make a fun, free-flowing level? No! Have you, tried, have you tried playing them before? Yes. And this is what I was leading up to. They're impressive to watch, <laughs> but they are horribly frustrating to try. Right, yeah, hidden blocks. and It's oh, always yeah. things where it's like, you have to practice on top of practice to get the exact amount of precision to the point where it doesn't feel well, like a fun time so much as a chore that feels like an accomplishment when you're done. What percentage of completion did you have on Super Meat Boy? Super Meat Boy's different. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's very different. <laughs> I can't quite explain why, but it's different. All right, real quick, let's, um, uh, uh, Chris, what are some of your favorite, like, that you can think of that like, you spent, like, a lot of time and really enjoy playing, um, creation, like, creator-type games? Well, Mario of? Maker and, uh, to, to take it way back, uh, yeah. Duke Nukem 3D, the build, um, application they provided with the game where you could yeah. build your own bubbles. Nice. I played that so so much that I, yeah i had so many i they're all gone now i, I <laughs> definitely they were on floppy disks and they're definitely probably in a landfill somewhere um but i played that so 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 much and i definitely i i spent some time in in little big planet um and mario both of those games both little big planet and mario maker i didn't really create too much mm-hmm. i mess i dabbled with it a little bit but i'm not super great at that stuff so i, I kind of just like to take all the other content like the millions of levels that are out there and just kind of mess with those and just kind of have an endless stream of stuff to to play um but let me let me take us off on a tangent real quick uh, very very briefly um we were talking about rom hacks yeah Uh, yeah yeah. you guys i posted about this on facebook you guys may have seen it but um the thing that i've been playing the most of uh recently i've probably gone through it four or five times now uh, is the Legend of Zelda Super Metroid randomized? I still want to do that. All right, so you gotta explain a little bit of that to me. So, what? what okay. How does this work? So, 
you take both both of the games are pretty much lumped into one game so they they have there's four different uh entrances between the two games like uh i guess there's a cave in zelda that leads to like a uh a door in metroid so you can uh go back and forth the the between the two games uh, through four different areas um and all of the items are just randomized and mixed throughout so you can find missiles you can find the grapple beam in zelda um you could be going into uh you could go into you know uh the the, the little area below like where you where metroid one ends where you fight metherbrain in the first one like where you get the morph ball um you could just find mm -hmm. random things there. you could find your sword there you could find a sword upgrade you could find the hook shot um so you're just finding random things and as you find them it's helping you progress a little bit further into each game hmm. and so you know ne you never play the same game twice it's always going to be different and it is incredibly challenging at first i was like oh this is going to be really fun and i know these games really well so like, i'll be able to knock these out nope you have to know how to 100 percent both games before you have will have stand any chance because you have to you have to know where all the secrets are because if you can't find like the morph ball you pretty much can't go anywhere in Super Metroid. Yeah. Um, so yeah, pretty much you generally go to Zelda 3 first because you can kind of get around there a little bit. And there's a lot more, a lot more uh, chests to find. But um, yeah, it's just you're just kind of bouncing back and forth between the two games, progressing as you find different items, and it's it's really awesome. And it's just I, I've had so much fun with it. I've had more fun with this game than I have a lot of games in, in a long time. It, it has just been a blast. And it's been great learning how to like 100% these games too, because I've kind of had to like do my homework as I go through them. Um, and I get better and better each each time I go through it. I get a little bit quicker and I, I know where all the secrets are a lot better um, without having to look things up. Now so, I have yeah. to ask, cause I think you just um, confirmed something that I actually had misinterpreted about the game. So. When you said there's multiple, like, there's a set number of entrances and exits between the two worlds, like basically connectors. It's not what I thought. Because I thought it was like, hey, if you go to this dungeon entrance, you walk through the door as Link, and you walks it out as Samus in a zero area of Metroid. But I thought there was a bunch of places like that where that would happen. But you're saying there's only like four. There's four. So um, the fortune teller takes you to Brinstar, Upper Brinstar. Um, in the uh, Misery Mire, that takes you in the Dark World, the, the little swamp area in the Dark World, that takes you to Lower Norfair. Hmm. Uh, Death Mountain takes you to regular Norfair. And then um, the far, far west takes you to Meridia. Oh, wow. So there's four different, yeah, and it's very spread out. So like I said, if you can get further into this, like into Zelda, then you can kind of shortcut your way into like later parts of Super Metroid. And there's like these little things called uh, Hell Runs where you kind of have to like, if you get stuck, you start to have to like go into Norfair into those like parts where you, if you don't have the uh, the various suit, you have to kind of like go through those areas that, that burn you and that, that make your health drop and like just search for items and then kind of run back. And they're called hell runs. That's that's what the uh, all the speedrunners call them. So oh yeah, really go, cool. it's a hell run. It's called your lily. Oh, that's awesome. Hell. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yes. It's 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 awesome. I highly recommend checking out. Just look it up. Uh, I think it's the Legend of Zelda. Um, Link to the Past Super Metroid's uh, randomizer. And there's a thing there. You, so what you do is you put in, it'll tell you which two ROMs to get. You put them both in and then you hit generate and uh, it will just create the ROM for you. And then you can throw it on your computer, throw it on your Raspberry Pi, uh, play it wherever you want as a, just a regular ROM. 
And uh, there's even a thing on there now they, they added where you can actually make it a little bit uh, easier for casual players. So there's one that'll make the morph ball uh, show up in the normal place it always does. So you can kind of uh, just get going into Super Metroid right off the bat. It's funny, too, because we just recently created a like social video game group on Facebook. Yeah. So this... This might make for a good game to drop on there. Well, I would love to, to see about. a stream of this. Like, have you thought There's of There's tons like... of them. They have races all over the place. Um, I think go to Speed Speedrun mm. Speedrun Gaming. I think on YouTube is where I've been watching all these because that's where I stumbled onto it on YouTube. Um, and they have weekly races of it. They have like. Uh, and there's a really cool thing too. Not to like spend all the time on this, but uh, there's a they have a mode now where there's two streamers on one side that can communicate with each other and kind of like find the <laughs> items, and yeah. then they're going against two other people that can communicate with each other. So these like these two teams are communicating and finding items uh, between each other, and like they can tell each other where this this item is, and they're racing against the the other person like their team. So oh wow. Really cool. It's really, really cool. Um, and there's a tons of other randomizers out there too. Um, just normal Super Metroid, Zelda one, uh, Zelda ones, and Zelda original Zeldas, and there's just tons of randomizers. I highly recommend checking them out. It's really cool. Well, Sorry, that's all right. No, that's that's super interesting to me. It's because it's taking these these classic games and then in a, in a way that in the modern day that we can consume them easily, but then playing with it in a way that's not just like Mario Maker, like okay, we'll add you know a platform here or there. It's 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 like a it's 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 a remix of the game. It's it's an actual remix of these games. Sure, that's really cool. Yeah, I think it's highly awesome. So, all right, well, we're back to you for your um, your second track. Okay, um, so this one's kind of cheating, but kind of not. Um, the only reason I know this song is because uh, my bandmates. Uh, play it all the time at practice. I, I was never a big, uh, never really into this series. I never really, I, I'd like to play it at some point, but I just never actually got around to it. Um, but this is the main theme from Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts for the Xbox 360. Oh. Uh, composed by Grant Kirkhope, uh, Robin Beanland, and David Kleinick. Uh-huh. theme from Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts for the Xbox 360, composed by Grant Kirkhope, Robin Beanland, and David Kleinick. That was legit. I've played Banjo-Kazooie 1 twice, <laughs> as in like played through them twice. So I know that was the main theme in general, but 
they rockified it. And I kind of chuckled at the fact that when I first heard it on here, I immediately thought this is our way of saying, hey, we're on a Microsoft console now because this was when Rare started working for doing games for the Microsoft's consoles, along with like, you know, like grabbed by the ghoulies and stuff like that. And this is a game I'd like to try, but... Well, uh, tell, tell us about this, because I don't know anything about it. The Banjo-Kazooie, I feel like I missed out on. For, for some I, I, I'm with you, man. I don't know, I don't know it at all. Um, the only reason that uh, I know this track, like I said, is because... Uh, Matt and Dom uh, always play it together uh, at practice. And the original plan with this with Rare Candy, um, so Dom used to work with Grant uh, at Big Huge Games. They were working on Kingdoms of Amalur, uh, I believe, together. And uh, obviously Grant was doing the, uh, the soundtrack and Dom was, uh, I think Dom was doing sound programming, if I remember correctly. Uh, but anyways, we had talked, Dom had talked to Grant about um, performing with us, uh, this song with us live on stage, and he was really into it, but it just kind of fell through, and uh, it was, this was what we were going to play, this this theme from the from, from Banjo-Kazooie. So um, that's why I knew this song. I never played Banjo-Kazooie. I, I looked it up. I kind of like bumped into this. I was like, oh yeah, I guess this is kind of a creator game, and just stumbled on this, this, uh, this arrangement of it and thought it was really awesome, and... Yeah, that's that's really the extent I have to say about this. I wish I had more to say about the nuts and bolts. Hey, I got you. I got you covered. Yeah. So what is it? What is it, Pernell? Is this so, is, a, this is an adult that, game where you? No, play? you're <laughs> rowing down animals, whittling creatures with, with machine guns. No. So back on the N64, we had Mario 64. Mario 64 was the first Mario 3D collectathon sort of game. It was a hit. Nintendo thought. These games are pretty cool. We need more like it. Or maybe Rare thought that because they decided to make Banjo-Kazooie, which was a collectathon in the vein of Mario 64 with their own personal spin. You were a bear with a bird who hung out inside of the bear's backpack. And you did platforming challenges to get things called jiggies, which were just jigsaw puzzles used to create pictures to go inside of stages. And the big gimmick that made it cool was that you found specific special moves that allowed you to perform functions by combining the abilities of the bear and the bird. Banjo Tooie was more of that, and while the it bear wasn't as and the bird. bear and the bird, and you fought Grunty the Witch, but like, oh, stop it, you! Banjo Tooie came out this before later. I hate you with a with friendliness. Like I'm trying to get this out. I want to get it out of my head. I'm teasing. So Banjo Tooie was just a sequel to Banjo Kazooie, and. It didn't take off as well as the first game. I'm not quite sure why. I think maybe people were saying that the level design wasn't as tight, or maybe it was a little just it was a little bit more of the same and people were tired of it. I don't know. But fast forward a number of years, Rare was no longer specifically under Nintendo's thumb. They were working with Microsoft now, and they were trying to show that they this is what we can do when we're not trying to make games that fit the Nintendo persona. Mm. So they started making they made games like Grab by the Ghoulies. They made Cameo. And then they made this game, which was not like Banjo Kazooie at all. Whereas the original games were platformers. Right. This was a car construction and racing game. Oh, that's cool. Also, that might be some car though. comeback. Huh? Right? I think there's a lot of backlash for this game, too, because people wanted an actual Banjo-Kazooie game, and they're like, no one no one asked for this. Oh, definitely, which is also, if you remember, I mean, it happened years later, but that's where, um, what's that game called? The uh, Ukulele came from, because 
people wanted more banjo kazooie oh. we got nuts and bolts yeah i've and heard about people dropped. being upset like oh there's no more banjo kazooie and then someone's like well, we're making the ukulele game it's gonna be like banjo kazooie and i'm like i don't know any of these things <laughs> <laughs> exactly, need those. exactly. so I love, a, I love a good collectathon though Oh, yeah, they're awesome. Yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, ukulele came up on Kickstarter. It was like, hey, remember the bear and the bird? Now we have the chameleon and the bat. That works, though. <laughs> and they're just like them. You're not fighting a witch. You're fighting a conglomerate bee boss. And you're like, okay, I don't know what you're talking about, but Banjo-Kazooie, I'll pay you money. And then they released the game, <laughs> and it had some problems. Hmm. Um, I did a review of it, and it was one of those cases where I was like, I got it for free. And I'm having fun, but I don't know if I'd want to pay money for this. <laughs> it's that kind of game. Uh, a lot of glitchiness and stuff going on. Yeah. But I think there's still room for somebody to resurrect the bear and the bird formula to get us back on track. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm doing the Jurassic Park theme song every time you say bear and the bird. <laughs> I was so confused by that, too. <laughs> <laughs> I've had that on my brain. I, don't, I can't figure out. Um, so why don't we go on to the next track, then? Uh, Perndle. So I feel like by the end of this episode, we'll have covered a variety of different creation type games. Like we've done car construction and racing. We've done RPGs. We've done platformers. And now we've got many games. Yes. Because my pick is from the game WarioWare DIY. Mm. And it is the WarioWare Inc. theme from said game, composed by Kenichi Nishimaki and Takeru Kanazaki. Which system was this for? The Nintendo... 3D, no, Nintendo DS. Oh, the DS. Okay. I, was, I, remember, I remember hearing about this and really wanted to try it, and then I could never, fi- I never found it. No. Um, but anyway, let's check it out. You're listening to the WarioWare Inc. theme from the game WarioWare DIY. That means do it yourself. Composed by Kimichi Nishimaki and Takeru Kanazaki. So, as the title implies, in WarioWare DIY, you are now working for WarioWare Inc. And you are creating many games for his company because Wario loves money. He knows you've got the chops to bring the cash home. So, it can get pretty weird. Um... 
as Rob was saying earlier in the break, there's like a IGN was it, you said had a contest about this. Yeah, game. yeah it was Kotaku. Yeah. Oh, Kotaku had a contest for creating the most bizarre mini games, and apparently Rob was talking about a couple of pretty cool ones. One that we can actually say on the show <laughs> was uh, basically find the troll in the comments. So you're basically like immediately zipping through like a, a series of text to try to find the jerk one in the series of comments. Uh, but basically, for those who aren't familiar with WarioWare, like all one of you. Uh, the idea is that there are series of you play a series of short burst mini games that usually involve you performing one really quick function, whether it's tapping on something or scrolling on something or pressing a button. But it's always really simple, and yet when you add speed and a constant stream of different ones, it gets frantic, and that's how you mess up. Yeah, because you're always you're always looking for patterns. Like your brain's constantly like, okay. You know, a, B, C, A, B, C, A, B, C. Then suddenly it's like A, C, B. And you're like, crap, mm-hmm. <laughs> you screw it up. And they throw reflexes in there to boot. Yep. And you're now all of a sudden you're trying to pick your nose and you can't quite get your finger up there. And you're like, well, game over. Didn't pick hard enough. So did you, I know you, you're into the WarioWare games. I mean, they're, they're, oh, they're yeah, stupid man. fun. Did, did you make some crazy stuff with this? That's the sad reality of it. I own every WarioWare game. But DIY. What? Oh, man, I'm surprised. But DIY. Yes, your DS collection is the stuff of legends. Up to 250. Wow. And I, and it's amazing because I don't retro shop, which is why I don't think it's ever going to get any higher than it is because it's very, very rare that I will retro seek a game. Mm. And the only time I'll typically do it is if it was a game I always wanted before, but either didn't wasn't able to afford it at the time or maybe it just was out, out of print and I couldn't so it was hard to find something like that but I never go you know this game is worth a lot of money so I'm going to go grab it now like nah if I didn't have interest before it's not going to change later most likely yeah, I gotta say I love this song though. all these those weird little breaks that was the and weirdest thing it's about like, do, it do, 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 do. and then suddenly there's like a weird like wah wah solo of like that kind of like oh, it's like wah, wah, wah. You, you ever listen to music in a game like a sequence of tracks and you get to a tune where as it starts to play, you're like, I don't like this. But you don't turn it off. Yeah. And then it keeps going. And then you loop it. <laughs> and you loop it again. Well, and you start to realize this has an uh, inexplicable appeal to me. Mm-hmm. I can't. I don't know why, but I love it. It's, it's The song sounds like it's telling a joke, but it's it's telling that kind of joke that you that it's not funny. But you say it over and over and over again, and then it's not funny, and then it's funny, and then it's really not funny, and should then we, it gets really funny again. Should we dub tracks like this slapstick jams? It's slapstick jam. Sla- um, comedy jam. Deaf comedy jam. <laughs> Deaf comedy jams. <laughs> Wario comedy jam. <laughs> now with more marble. In more marble. We need a name that gets... Less and less funny each time you say it. <laughs> Deaf comedy jams. We need a podcast that gets less and less funny each time you hear it. You know? uh, the Simpsons quote, B uh, Sharps. Oh, no, I, oh, come on. I knew the quote. That's why oh. I said it. Deaf comedy jams. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> How yeah. about the B Sharps? <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's uh, the one. I will say with the Warrior Wear, the, the one thing that jumps out to me about that song is... They use the most recognizable electric guitar. You can tell it's from a WarioWare game every time you hear it. It is just it. It is the most unique sounding electric, uh, g- like MIDI guitar they use <laughs> in any game ever. That's just they use the same one in all of them, and it's you can just always pick it out if it's a WarioWare track. 
That's like their signature, man. It's their signature crappy guitar sound. And it's yeah, funny because exactly. now, you, now I'm going to try to listen for it because I actually did just get WarioWare Gold, which came out uh, actually oh, yeah, last yeah. Friday. It came out really recently. So they make, They're still making WarioWare? I didn't even know they were still making WarioWare. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to lie. I have a feeling this is like one of those super collections of sorts, like three hundred, the top 300 WarioWare games or something. But that's um, the 3DS. 3DS, okay. Which means, you know, a lot of people were like, why is he on the Switch? Which I'm like, shut up! Switch and 3DS can both coexist. There's no need to people force are, evolution. People are unhappy about that. People have people have opinions about what you just said, Pernell. I know they do! And that's why everything's cool, because I want people to talk about it. I want people to go onto the group chats and stuff and go, Pernell, what the heck are you talking about? So I can get in it. Get into the trenches. So I can take them apart. All right, so we talked about some cheesy guitar. So this has got some cheesy guitar. And this is another genre in the creation game oh, game. This is fighting games. Oh, yes. Fighter Maker? This is Fighter Maker 2 for the PlayStation 2, and this is credits music. Yes! Um, nice. so, which is, so you know that, you know, if it's like battle music, they write it for like a battle that, you know, that you were creating. But this is credits, so this is the actual credits for the people who made Fighter Maker 2. Otherwise, it would just be like credits. Purnell. <laughs> I gotta say, by the way, before we start the track. What's up? So we've gone through pretty much all of our bass tracks after we've listened to the York mm. Chewies and we've never overlapped. If we can get through the, all the remixes and stuff and have oh. no genre overlap, that'll be amazing. I think we're, I think we're pretty close. But I'm actually playing a, a creator-type game now and I'll talk about that after the break. We definitely overlapped. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> spoiler Mario alert. Maker and, and Little Big Planet are both platformers. Oh, touche. Uh, Crap apples. Uh, but they're, they're, you know. We were so close. So close. But different games. Still different games. True, true, true. Alright, so, um, where was that? Yeah, PlayStation Two, Fighter Maker Two, credits music, and if, ironically, I don't have the composer <laughs> for any of the in-game music that they have. It's gonna be a for record for you guys. Composed by Studio Man Number Six. Yeah, who knows? All right, let's check it out. Sequence from Fighter Maker 2 for the PlayStation 2. That was glory. Purnell handed me his his phone. Covered in hers potato chips dust. Yes. I don't pose by Frightened Inmate number two. There <laughs> <laughs> we go. Uh, actually composed by the UK band Intelligentsia. 
who also created in-game effects. And did you make that up or no? No, this is this is the. He found oh, that's for real. Yeah, <laughs> figured out. Wow, I never saw that. I never found this wiki. Um, this dick. Okay, they also created the in-game effects, and Mirai, one of the band's two members, is a playable character in the game. That is awesome. Of course, of course, that's amazing. That is so cool. Oh, I, I love it. I, I was like, this doesn't sound. This sounds so different. Like some kind of like. This sounds like a UK band rock, set up and yeah. did on a stage or something. Oh, that's so neat. And that's I, cool. And I think it's funny that the cover art reminds me of the main character from Shinmu. Like it looks exactly like if you guys get take a look at it later on or something. Oh yeah, you have to let me know what you think. But it looks so much like it. the um. So a lot of these Fighter Maker games are like make your own like Dead or Alive or Tekken game, but like early early days like nineties like three D games. Like so. like Critz said, like Frightened didn't make number two. <laughs> it's bad. It's <laughs> these these games were difficult to play, difficult to put together. But I mean like. It's the only chance you got to like make your own, you know, Ryu or Chun Li. So it makes you wish that someone would do something like that now, because fighting games have gotten to such a point. Character so creation, refined. Soul Calibur. Yeah, but that's crazy not stuff the same, that. though. You know, character creator is Soul Calibur. Oh, that is true. They do give you a lot to work with, but they, yeah, they give you a lot in there. Or character creator in like one of those like wrestling games. Oh, that would be in- those, those things are seen- super like. Right. You can make people look weird. <laughs> I feel weird. like I want to see more like with like how Mugen was too, because I never forget like when oh, I yeah. first saw like the fast food fighter thing stuff that people used to do. I like to see that done in a Tekken style, like just give them all the tools so we can have all the fast food mascots thrown down. We can. <laughs> it would be yeah, so but I mean, like good. with with, with uh, yeah, Mugen or Mugen is like an open open like fighting game engine, but people still had to. You know, animate all of the sprites for all of the characters and, and all of the the programming and sounds. God, it's so weird to like, like Homer Simpson versus you know Akuma. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> I think my favorite was always. Hmm? I'm sorry. What year did that come out? Uh, Mugen's been around since like maybe the late '90s, but people. Fighter Maker Two. Oh, Fighter Maker Two. No, Fighter Maker Two was on the PlayStation Two, so I'm gonna say like late '90s. No, no, not late like 90s. It was like 2004 or so. Yeah, probably like 84, 85. It was first in the Coleco. <laughs> All right, you oh. need to stop it. I don't know if you're joking or telling the truth sometimes. <laughs> it's 2002, it looks like. Oh, there you go, there you go. I don't know. Okay, time, okay. time doesn't really mean anything. No. It is kind of flopping about being all timely and mess. But, like, I think my favorite Mugen combination was still a guy who did a battle between the Japanese Colonel Sanders the Japanese Ronald McDonald yes, and oh, had all that. the sound bites from their commercials like finger <laughs> so licking good. good never chicken good chicken <laughs> and every time Ronald did I think it's like hamburger hamburger <laughs> la la loo <laughs> so good and then like there was the Wendy's fighter no I'm sorry, sorry the same Ronald McDonald he was he would do like a character summit where his daughter would come <laughs> in and fight too because I guess in Japan Ronald McDonald had a daughter who knew yeah, family values Right, and it is it's true. Crazy. And hamburgers. Pass the cholesterol down to your kin. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're at the part of the show where we like to call the bonus round. Bonus round. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. I love it. Um, if you could send like a little guitar lick, that would be the best. Bonus round. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'll, I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the bonus round is the part of the show where we play covers and remixes and arrangements based on our theme for the day, which is creation games or creator creator games. And so this this is an interesting interesting way to, to find stuff. So 
um, or an interesting topic to pick for. So, Chris, what do you have? All right, this is a hard one to find. I, I had I I took a long time finding something that, that was covered from a creator game um, that I didn't do, obviously. <laughs> uh, so uh, this is. Uh, creative Exercise Orchestral Remix uh, from Mario Paint by Clefer Notes. was incredible that is i like that oh my god yes did i like that that was hoedown music for me i'm like it it was just it was so i I was looking for something from mario paint because i was like that was the one other game i wanted to include music from because i love the soundtrack to that game and i just stumbled upon this on youtube and it reminded me of like an old disney movie or something yeah i dream of genie almost (laughs) something like weird from the 50s and maybe even like some something like more like you know '90s Pixar, I could see this uh, being in. But mm. it was—I uh, I mean, you guys know that I love orchestral stuff. I, I use that in a lot of the a lot of the arrangements that I do. Mm. Um, but it really just kind of stood out to me, and and, and uh, just a really cool cool take on the theme. And uh, I, th- I think the only my only criticism to the song was the ending, where it just kind of like stops. Yeah, I wish they had like you know flourished or something at the end. But uh, I don't know. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I like it's so it's so creative throughout, um, and, and the idea is so so interesting that for it to just kind of like stop. I I totally get that, but when that clarinet came in, man, my mind was like broken. I'm like, whoa! And like they're great Hans samples. Zimmer. Yeah, yeah. it's very yeah. convincing. It's definitely MIDI, but it's very very convincing. Oh, it's MIDI. Super convincing. Like it's and you're right. It doesn't have that, that like Pixar kind of. I feel like Pixar wants that aesthetic. Because I um because it's very it has a very like sentimental kind of sound. Kind of Fantasia a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. But as as Rob pointed out from how I was sounding with it, which it didn't even click until he said it, I definitely wanted to do some chicken dances. Like I was like, <laughs> <You're> like 
That was really funny. It just kind of happened. That's so funny. Okay, Purnell, what is your bonus round? Unfortunately, not the chicken dance. of the day. It is. What's he got? Mine is unfortunately not more of that, but it is still really slick. It is a remix theme, a remix to the title theme of my old friend Sim City, composed by Best Dude 55. That's his actual name. So I really hope that puts you in the mood to construct traffic jams and horrible pollution-written environments because you're really bad at layering your residential, commercial, and industrial zones. But that was the title theme remix from the game SimCity on the SNES, composed by Best Dude 55, who has now been upgraded to Best Dude number eight. <laughs> Fifty-six. <laughs> That's a. It was a really like it was. I thought it was really well produced. Yeah, and um, I enjoyed it. I like the leads. I think like I think often you'll get like really 
um, like 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 remixes and arrangements. You get like really, oh wow, they're really you know really creative with that lead, or then they got those sounds really good. But then like the mix is all like muddied up, or like the drums don't really cut through. This sounds like something I would totally play like at a party. Yes, like on a big on a big system, and it, and it would it would cut really nicely. I would very, ride my uh, bike to this. Very sonicy, yeah. Very, yeah, very sonic the hedgehog. That's just I keep hearing that. Like I think it's the lead they use too. The the that main synth lead really mm. just kind of feels very sonic, like classic sonic to me. Yeah, it's kind of square wavy, but like yeah. in a really good way. Now this makes mm-hmm. me want to go back to playing Sonic Mania because I left that bad boy lingering at the press garden zone. But <laughs> gotta finish it, man. That game is so good. It's so good. I don't know. It's like it's a very weird thing I experienced with Sonic Mania. Like I love the classic Sonic games. So when everybody said, you know, Sonic Mania, return to form, I was like, yes, let's get back to that. And I bought it, and I put it in, and something strange happened. I missed running behind the back, Sonic. I missed Sonic Generations. You miss you miss 3D looking at Sonic's butt? Yes. <laughs> I missed looking at his fast derriere. Yeah. But, um, I didn't miss that at all. <laughs> it's weird. Like, I don't think many people do, which is why I feel so bizarre about, well, like, like I, I like like. Don't get me wrong. It has a, it had a lot of growing pains. There were some really crappy ones, but mm. I feel like Generations nailed it down pretty well with the exception of like the Crisis City Zone. Like it did a really good job of handling you know the behind the back Sonic running and choosing routes and collecting stuff. Bit it wasn't so much a platformer as a momentum game. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I mean, Sonic Generations was was definitely really cool. Um, Sonic Mania was weird because I didn't. I didn't buy. I didn't buy into the hype. I was just like, no, they're just going to screw it up again. I don't want anything to do with this. And I didn't buy it when it came out. And then everybody just kept being like, you need to check this game out because I love the old Sonic games. And eventually, like, so many people just kept telling me to buy it that I eventually got it. And I was like, oh my god, this is, Mwah! this is what I was looking for in like a a, a new like reimagining of a, a classic game. And they they didn't just go all out and make a whole new thing. They they kind of like. They did kind of like what they did with The Force Awakens. You know, they it was very familiar. They had a lot of stuff that was like, you know, a lot of zones that were very similar to how they were in the original. Or, you know, uh, kind of like, you know, they they brought them in, but they made a lot of changes to it and redid the soundtrack a bit. Um, and it felt very familiar. And it, it wasn't like that, that big push that Sega always tries to do where they just like, like no, we're going to try and throw a whole new thing at the wall and see if it sticks. But yeah. no, they, they kind of like, you know... Pulled at the uh, the old nostalgia strings in that that nice little perfect uh, amount. Like Sonic Generations, like see, it seems like a lot of people really like Sonic Generations. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna scrap that. Now Sonic is running on top of Twizzlers, fighting weird aliens from space. I think <laughs> the worst for me when I was like 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 I do I kind of crave that that classic Sonic, probably for nostalgia reasons. I haven't, I haven't played a, new, a Sonic game in a long time, but. The worst for me was like, okay, the Dreamcast 3D Sonic came out. And I was like, I don't know if that's for me. And then Shadow came out. And I'm like, who is this guy? Angsty. Why does he have a gun? It's violent. <laughs> oh, like, you're that, made, that one. That made no sense to me. And I was like, all right, you know what? They don't. He's the ultimate life form. Of course he'd have a gun. They're not making these games for me anymore. That's okay. <laughs> and that's okay. Yeah, Ship sailed for me on those, sadly. I, I like Sonic Adventure too. That was the last like 3D one yeah. that I really got yeah. into, and I played the heck out of. But all about Green that, Force. I kept, I kept trying. I oh, hell yeah. Um, I kept trying it, to get into them, and I, I would like you know rent or, or or buy them as they came out, and I just lost faith slowly. <laughs> 
and steadily. Uh, it's funny though because for even though the game for like a mixed bag, their OSTs continue to be great though. I don't know how to really convey that. Per know se. It, man. Like, like rooftop run was in Sonic Unleashed, and Sonic Unleashed was heavily, heavily panned. But Rooftop Run is probably one of the best compositions from the Sonic series as a whole. Hmm. And I still, still listen to it. That and Cool Edge. So yeah, good. I feel like I it, yeah, cool Edge. Was, the, was the constant there. I think he still does the sound. Well, he didn't do many, obviously. That was, um, oh my God, I can't remember his name. I follow him on Twitter. Uh, great. God, awesome composer. But um, Jun Sanoa, I believe, does all of the 3D Sonic games, too. To, to this day, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. Ah, that'll explain it then, because his his chops were always well-polished and refined. Yeah, I feel like it's not going to be like a 3D Sonic unless you've got Jun Sinue. Yeah, on exactly. That. Yeah. Love that Who just performed at MAGFest uh, last year. Yeah. And I missed him. <laughs> I missed it, too. Yeah, I played with Arcandy the day before, and I was so worn out after that. that I, didn't, I didn't see a lot of the acts uh, the following day, sadly. I got tired from all the Pokemon battles. I was like, you know what? I've given enough badges away this year. I'm going to take a nap. <laughs> yeah, one year you're just going to go to the shows. I could. That would be nice. I try to get to some here and there. Like, I, I go to the Rare Candy shows mm-hmm. when they play. I went to Viking Guitar because I freaking had to. Viking yeah, Guitar. Right. Yeah. And um, I want to say I've, I've gone to like one of the Bit Brigade ones. I want to say they did Ninja. Was it Ninja Gaiden that year or Batman? They one of those last two. Year. Now, not last year, but just like in general, like I've oh, gone yeah, to yeah. one of their Bit Brigade shows, but for the most part, I end up missing a lot of the concerts mm. when I go, which is which is kind of sad because that's like one of the major things about the show. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't go to as many of the concerts as I as I probably should, just because I'm usually catching up with friends. That's that's like when I go to those big events and there's a lot of people there that I know. Like I don't see these people like ever, like maybe once every few years. So I, I generally I still got to sneak into some of. Them. I still got to sneak into some of those gatherings with you, though, so I can pass out on the couch and be the, the guy that's at the cool party, but is too tired to interact with anybody. Yeah. Oh, that's my buddy. That's Pernell. I'm not that guy quite as much as I used to be. I, I have slowed down quite a bit, so I, it's more just uh, huh? go to a, hang, a cool room, a, a quiet room, and just kind of reminisce and, and, and catch up. That's what I'm all about, to be all do honest with you. Like, Rob will vouch for me on this. Is like I'm the guy who's like, I need to go to more parties. I got to hang out with all the cool kids. And I'm like, this is too much. Yeah, but then you drive like a day and a half to go to like four different like low-key like board game parties. But like you're, <laughs> low-key <laughs> but like you're killing yourself with like lack of sleep getting to them. I'm like half party animal and you're half like, well, like... it's a party and it's like, you know, for like, you know, families of like <laughs> there's kids running around. We got to put the kids to bed and then we can play some a mean rousing round of Catan. Catan. <laughs> Catan. All right, um, all right. So my track. Okay, this is weird. All right, so there is a ROM hack for Mega Man. Mega Man is it two. minus in th- oh two? No, it's Mega Maker. Mega. Ooh, oh, I love Mega Maker. Yeah, I never heard of Mega Maker. So I didn't hear about this either until now, or until I researched for this this episode, where you can make your own Mega Man stages, and they're all crazy. So within the game, um, an artist named Cosmic Gem did a, a Famicom cover of Time Man Ooh. from Mega Man Powered Up. Yes, for a Time Man kind of ROM hack within Mega Maker. So I don't know much about Powered Up, but this is his great game. Spoiler alert: This song is awesome. This is such a cool cover. So this is Time Man in the Famicom style for his uh, you know version within Mega Maker, and this is um, arranged by Cosmic Gem. 
You're listening to um, the Famicom cover of Time Man, um, composed, I'm sorry, arranged for the Mega Man Maker um, by the artist Cosmic Gem. And originally, Time Man was for Mega Man Powered Up. But this is, it was just so cool. Like, just the sound, I love pitch bends. I'm like a sucker for um, when they throw in like a whole bunch of pitch bends into a, a classic chip track. You must love Vert then. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's, all he uses is pitch bends and I love it. I love it. It's, it's, I'm just. I think that's a goal uh, of mine. I want him on, I want him on this show someday just to be like, hey. I I'm remember sure you. he'll hop on, man. Yeah. I mean, he's busy as heck, but yeah, he's, yeah. he's really down to earth. I've, I've talked with him um, a few times. Yeah. He's just a really chill dude. I will say flat out, by the way, regards to this, just we were talking about Mega Man Powered Up. That's what this is a base off of a character from. I still feel like to this day, Capcom really, I mean, really dropped the ball by not at least making a Mega Man Powered Up 2. Like, yeah. even if they stopped there, <laughs> that would have been a gold mine for them. I feel Burton. like they have no idea what's what's going on sometimes. I agree with you on that, honestly. Like, yeah, because they put out the one that, like, there's not a lot of love for Mega Man 1. I mean, I, I think it's a great game. I, I grew up with it. and But, you know, in there they were complaining about sales and whatnot about that game. And then, you know, they didn't do two. I'm like, at least give it a shot. Like, put out the popular game and see if that one sells better. There were a lot of people in, like, comments, threads on forums and stuff saying, I'm waiting for Powered Up 2. I'm waiting yeah. for Powered Up 2. Like, people wanted two. They didn't want one, which is a shame because they added a lot of cool characters to the Mega Man 1 characters, but as much as I played Mega Man 1, I didn't love it as much as 2. Like, 2 refined it. It's yeah. funny. Like, for me, Mega Man... Like, I was I was really, really young when Mega Man 1... When I first got a chance to play Mega Man 1. Like, probably soon after it came out, or, you know, maybe a little bit after it came out out in the States, but... Uh, that was a time when I was still learning to play video games. And so I had the hardest time playing it, and I had no patience for it. But then by the time Mega Man 2 came out, I had been playing more games, my coordination had increased a little bit more, and I was ready for it. And I had a lot more patience for going through the levels over and over again. I never went back to the first one. I'm going to tell you something. And in my mind, it was always like, the first one, stupid hard. I'm never going back to it. I'm going to tell you something, though. Tell me, tell me, Pernell. People like to yeah. talk about how... Yeah! Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Everybody's talking about how hard Mega Man games are, and I always dismiss that claim, except for Mega Man Nine. But I will say, if even if you go back to now, Mega Man One, I think is the most frustrating of them. Okay, all, so easily. All right, so it wasn't just like my little kid hands not being able to get around that controller. Oh no, they they were probably there too. Oh no, you were a small child. You were terribly small. <laughs> you were quite the dwarf. You were the dwarven lad. No, just that even though you're probably better than you were then, yeah. the game itself is still rough. Not having the Mega Man mobility options that you get in later games, I feel like a lot of the platforming sections weren't as tightly built as later games were. Gut, guts Man with those platforms that like drop yeah it was a little buggy too those platforms were kind of didn't work as good as they did like in the later games that is true because i feel like if you play you play for them you play Mega Man powered up and play on those platforms they're not a problem at all because you know how they work you know jump when the little when the connector bolt goes over the thread you not can see anything it. else yeah yeah but in, but on in the, the old bit system i feel like they didn't have they didn't have like enough you know maybe enough space to do enough of the animation 
or maybe like the timing wasn't quite there because they was drawing so many things on the screen at one time. I still remember a couple years yeah. back, actually I remember you did play Mega Man 1 recently because back when you lived in your old condo, yeah. we actually uh, we played pl through Mega Man 1 Yeah, you once. and I shared many beers and played lots of Mega Man. And I kicked <laughs> the tar out of that game, but yes, it was you so <laughs> difficult. It was such a pain in the butt. And then like the last Wily level was that stupid Gutsman <laughs> thing. I was like, why is this here? Why? This is horrible. Mm. Also the Magnet so, Beam. Did you guys play Mega Maker? No. I have not, because up and I never heard I haven't heard of it until Rob mentioned it today. Yeah, I didn't hear about oh, it until really? about a week ago when I started looking oh, it up. Put an absurd amount of time into that. Um it's it's really, really well it's a fan game too. It's not official, obviously. Um, but they did a freaking awesome job with that game it is uh it, it just plays it's like mario maker um it's not quite as fluid as mario maker but it it works really well i wish there was more options for like music and and uh like more customization but i mean obviously it was very early when i played it i played the the, the first build when it came out and uh it's it's a lot of fun it's it's very uh it's really cool and there's a lot of great levels out there there's a lot of horrible levels out there too um, there's always, you know, that Super Mario Brothers 1-1. One, one. Oh, someone's always going to do that, and it's always going to be terrible. <laughs> this, what but, if Mega Man was in the Mushroom Kingdom? Yeah. Ah, we know. They made a whole crossover game about it. Mm-hmm. But it's great. It, it's uh, it's it's a lot of fun, and I highly, highly recommend checking it out. Because no, I, it's, uh, it, it, there's a lot of uh, a lot of cool things in there. I, I got to ask, though, because, again, I don't know much about it, but... Is how does the boss weapons work? Is do you, are you able to make your own bosses and boss weapons, or is it from the array of Mega Man bosses that already exist? It's from the ones that already exist. But it's what's cool is you can um, you can design a stage around um, once so you can like limit your stage into just having like one thing, or you can have like three different uh, types of weapons. And as you're going through, you know, uh, I I love to use the. Uh, which is it the the quick slide, the one where you can kind of like jet boomerang or a charge kick? No, it's a it's a kick thing. I can't remember which. which oh game yeah, was yeah, 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 yeah. Only way I can think of from a kick is the charge kick. It's when you slide and you get that kind of that that, that sort of boomerang looking icon around your yeah, foot. Yeah, at your feet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's um, the charge kick. Yeah, I, I created a level that was uh, built entirely around just having that power up. It was more like a platforming rather than like shooting stuff. So there was a lot of, uh, you know, having to like time, uh, that going off of a certain ledge. And then you would like have to kind of like, uh, navigate through a little spike, you know, like when you fall down the things, a little spike barriers, mm -hmm. and then like use that to like, as soon as you pass the spike barrier to like get onto a platform, that's like meeting to your left. Um, it was it was a lot of fun. That, that game is really really cool, and uh, the the weapon power up system really adds a whole new layer that Mario doesn't have. Uh, being able to like you know build it around a certain weapon uh, kind of makes you kind of like feel like you're kind of like in the head of the developers when they were creating. The game. I like the sound of that. You can make the Gemini beam useful finally. Yeah, I like that. And, and, and like um, Mario Maker, where like there's a there's so many great levels out there, and you would say like oh they don't need to make another Mario game. The idea is that you're you're encouraged to create single, small experiences, but there's like you know there would be a large a large development team coming up with like you know a series of, of stages and ramping progression and a story like to go along with it. So it's like well, I got a couple. Let's not go nuts now. Mario with a story. 
Yeah, man. Well, I mean, like, you think about... Princess! Like, you think about Mario 1-1, one, one, where it's like, it's, it's like you're learning how to play as you go through the stage, and the games progress, and they, they teach you new power-ups. Where if you put on a Mario Maker stage, it's like, all right, here's the boot. I'm like, what's the what's a boot? I never used the boot before. And it's like, all right, jump off a ledge. I especially like the part at the end of World 2-4, yes. where you learn, surprisingly, <laughs> that the princess is actually in a castle... Not familiar, not similar to the one you're in right now. Okay. A different castle, somewhere else. It's rough. It's a mind blown. It's a mind blowing plot twist that I've yet to get over as an adult. Told to you by a mushroom man, which, as we've established, you eat him and move on. We're <laughs> <laughs> toad. So... All right, so we're at the end of the bonus round, so I'm going to turn this track down because we have more bonus round. Bonus round. EX! <laughs> yes, extra stage. Um, and that's right. This is this is what we planned on, right? I, I, I'm not just jumping the gun here. Chris? Can you add in that Mega Man X, like, that little... Uh, when, like, the, the logo pops up, you know oh, what I'm yeah. talking about? <laughs> 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 yeah. Uh, pa-ching, yeah. I want that little pa-ching in there after the EX. Make a note, Rob. <laughs> oh, I think he actually is. Oh, yeah. I, I, right, I make notes as we go. Like, okay, turn this off. You know, cut out Pernell's talking here. Pernell's a little boring hey, here. Hey, 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 hey. It'll, be, it'll be that much funnier. <laughs> you got to put this in. You got to do it. All right, that's all going in. All right, so we have an extra track from Chris Baines for you. So what what you got for us? Um, so this is the track that kind of uh, dictated me coming up with this, uh, this theme for this episode. Uh, it is from Super Mario Maker. And it is the ghost house from Super Mario Brothers 1.
All right, and we're back. That was the ghost house. Um, so you're going to have to explain that to us, good sir, because as so, awesome as that was, I'm confused. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure. Um, so with Super Mario Maker, uh, with the Mario uh, Super Mario Brothers 1, they went ahead and created two tracks, uh, one for the ghost house, because there was no ghost house, obviously, in Super Mario Brothers 1, and they kept the theme mm-hmm. for the retro one, and also oh. one for airship. So there's an airship theme and a ghost house theme that they're brand new tracks that they created uh, when you made like, a ghost theme or an airship level oh, uh, using the Super Mario Brothers 1 theme. Uh, and that's what that that's was. I, awesome. I, yeah, I really, really liked um, the, the theme of that. Super Mario Brothers 3 um, also had uh, a ghost house theme made for that too, which is actually really, really cool. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, I, I was watching a lot of these, you know, uh, YouTube guys play this over and over again, like I said earlier, and, uh, just, I kept hearing the music and, and this is before I even, had even played the game. I just was so in love with the music they had created for it that I, uh, I wanted to do a, a track and this is like my Halloween track that I did, uh, last October. Yeah. And, well, this is beastly baby. Yeah. I like that a lot. I love the way the, um, like when the, the very opening of the track where like the, 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 the kick drum, you do that, that double kick. That, that, oh yeah, um, that kicks in like, I'm like, it's just yeah, it gets me all pumped up, and then, and then it pays off. It's, it was a fun track. No one knows what the track. No one has has heard it, so it was kind of it wasn't very well received, I guess, um, from people because they just didn't. I, no one has really played Mario Maker because it was on the Wii U, and you know how that goes. Yeah, um, that's why I'm waiting for that Switch. Give me that Switch version, so more people can play that game. Well, I suppose um, you know from my like, like as you know from my talks of uh like talking about like Steel Samurai stuff. I kind of feel like, I, though obviously I think I'm in the minority here, but I feel like a lot of the good VGM compositions for like cover bands and artists is when you come up with a track from something you like that sounds really, really good, and then the person hears it and goes, I have never heard of that game ever, but yeah. now I want to know about it because this music sounds so good, I want to go back and check it out and see what inspired this guy to write this or or arrange this track like they did it oh definitely yeah the uh, the advantage in Cremelodian both had tracks so uh ease uh ease three i i first heard about that from Crem- uh well sprite slow down there their video game project um and i had no idea what ease was i had, like i think i'd heard of it on the the super nes at one point but hearing their cover of the one that i actually covered a series struggle uh from ease three uh I, I was just blown away by that. Like I like started like you know looking into that series, and that's what kind of got me into them was hearing their their cover of the like this game I had knew nothing about, and just loving the music that much. Let me bring it back and um, just say thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in to this episode of Rhythm and Pixels Video Game Music Podcast with our special guest, Chris Baines. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and track in the background right now is from the game No Man's Sky, which is um, the kind of creator type game that I'm playing right now. It's People are calling it a crafting game. Yeah, I was going to ask, because I'm not too familiar with No Man's Sky. Where does the create come in? I thought um, it was exploring a galaxy. Yeah, it's exploring, and f- I didn't realize how much survival would be involved, and I, I nearly turned it off a number of times. But no, it's like you you 
you collect you're collecting like minerals off of planets to build like spaceships and bases and all sorts of stuff so i just made a house in the game and i spent like way too long putting flags on it and changing the colors on it and i'm like oh that's why people play like you know um minecraft and yeah sometimes you just kind of get absorbed into just the building your home i did that with dragon quest yeah it's the nesting instinct right (laughs) like dragon quest builders I got into that game, which I feel like we could have picked a track from that, but it would have just been more like, hey, remember that track from Dragon Quest 1 through 7? Yeah. Here it is again. But <laughs> I love the fact that I went in there with this whole idea of, like, they give you little bits of quests that you have to fulfill. And I'm like, no, I'm going to make the best town. You'll see. I'm going to have a house with three bedrooms. I love it. <laughs> nice kitchen. It's going to be super nice. That's right. I want to have the Ed over here. It's going to have two vendors, two vendors working it. Well, Chris, what can you um, tell our listeners about where they can find your music and what what's new? What, what do you have new for us? Um, you can find me on Facebook uh, as Chris Baines Music, B-A-I-N-E-S. Uh, you can find me on YouTube as just Chris Baines. Uh, I am on Instagram as at Chris Baines Music and on Twitter as at C Baines Music, I think. <laughs> Um, they're all so different that I can never keep them straight. Um, yeah, you yeah, gotta be I early just, on Twitter to, to catch that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just put out a new album. Um, that's a collection of a lot of the stuff that I put out, and uh, I think there's one or two new tracks on there that, that haven't been released yet. Uh, you can find that on Bandcamp if you go to chrisbaines.bandcamp.com. Uh, and the new album is called Yuffie. I actually has amazing cover art uh, that I'm, I'm very happy with, and obviously the music is good too. Uh, I would love if you guys went and checked it out. There's uh, obviously the Mario Maker track is from there, and there's a lot of other good ones: uh, Monster Hunter World, Shadow of the Colossus, uh, Final Fantasy VIII, Final Fantasy IV, uh, and uh, some other kind of more obscure stuff on there, like Ease, Ease Three, and uh, Child of Light. Yes, and but uh, yeah, I, I, I'm actually right I mean, now kind of slowing down on arrangements. I've uh, I've I've been just kind of going and doing a song every single month, which has been kind of a lot for me. Uh, I know there's guys out there that do a song a week, but I, I can't keep up with those guys. I, I, <laughs> I put a lot of work into these tracks, and it would whew, that would probably kill me. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm moving a little bit slower. I'm not going to put out a song a month anymore. I want to kind of focus on getting some quality and doing some like kind of larger-scale um, medley. So I am working on something right now, but it's probably going to be another at least two or three more months before it actually comes out. So, uh, I mean, yeah, I'm kind of you also bust your butt in general because I mean, like, you do like you do Chris Bain's music, you do you know, you go to work, you do the family life, you do like you work with like the bitchins and all that stuff, and you just try to have a general social life all in there, too. Somehow, like, you keep freaking busy. I'm definitely very busy, very busy person. So, uh, I'm definitely taking taking a little bit of me time after this album because it is it definitely took up a lot of time uh uh to to get together and i'm really proud of it i think it came out great i i hope uh your listeners check it out and enjoy it as well and and uh maybe pick it up awesome well if you would like to get in contact with us at the show uh, send us an email rhythm and pixels at hotmail.com um, and if you want more information about our show um, uh, track listing for all of the episodes and access to all of the episodes and links to all of the other stuff that we're doing go to the website rhythmandpixels.com um, we've just did some overhauls to the website because I had website envy from some other fine podcasts out there Ed <laughs> um, 
So I wanted to make that look a lot nicer. Um, you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all those places. It's usually rhythm and pixels, all one word. And if you want to support the show, the best thing you can do is just tell your friends about it. Or you can um, you know, subscribe or, or rate and review wherever you're listening to it. Um, you can also go to patreon.com slash rhythm and pixels where you can support us there. And at the end of every episode, we like to thank all of our Patreon subscribers. All of them? All of them. Um, so this... Um, we want to thank first Alex the messenger. Um, so he's like our our, uh, our engineer, right? And then uh, Brian Kunkel, the architect. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to thank Bobby Arson. Mm-hmm. Really cool dude. Um, he's also our lead plumber. And uh, Damien Beckles. Okay, he Admiral. Broke, he was he was the first one to uh, break ground. A uh, wicked, a <laughs> uh, uh, wicked Sephiroth. <laughs> he was the one who surveyed the land and told us about it. He's the fisherman. <laughs> um, okay. I want to thank OK Impala um, for supplying all of the Impalas. I want to thank... All of the Impalas. All of the Impala. how, how do you build a home without an Impala? Well, we, 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 we had to get Fleet. there. Um, uh, Carlos, uh, Kung Fu Carlito. I want to thank him very, very much for supporting us. He brought the muscle. He got the muscle? Yes, he did. Um, Henry... Uh, Henrik Anderson, he advertised uh, for us on billboards about our new um, uh, sub-development. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Michael Bridgewater from the Forever Sound Version podcast, who just celebrated two years of his podcast. And what a podcast. Uh, an amazing, amazing guy. Um, uh, we'll have links to a, um, a fundraiser that he's doing uh, next month for um, refugees in the UK, um, up where he lives, where he's going to do 24 hours of ridiculously horrible classic Amiga C64 whatever games it's, he's got some really crazy stuff in the works there I want to thank him I want to thank Brian Pitt for starting the pit the mosh pit of the show that's, that's, uh, that's our subdivisions <laughs> excellent excellent nightclub <laughs> that's right um, Morton Gangso um, he actually greased the wheels um, in uh, that's how we got it at such a low cost that's right um, Chris Murray I want to thank you so so much um, for getting us past um, all of the, um, uh, the EPA um, <laughs> guidelines. guidelines. Uh, Joe Fasalo, I also want to thank you so much for helping Chris Murray because I can't think of anything else. And David Smith. <laughs> whose name you got correct. Whose name I got correct. And that's good enough. <laughs> <laughs> so I get it wrong every time. Thank you all so much for supporting the show. I'm going to continue to do um, silly name readings at the end of every episode. Um, I guess two more things too. Yes. Um, so we, I recently, I finally got off my butt. I did a, I got a Facebook group going. It's just Rhythm and Pixels mm. Chat. The idea being is that if you want to communicate with us and kind of gab about video games and stuff, we're going to have a lot of dialogue taking place in there. Right. And also, we're going to occasionally do like you know, video game of the month sort of thing where it's, it could be retro, could not be retro, and the way we're going to select it is going to be like pretty much kind of lottery based where our listeners can choose the game and we'll all kind of play it socially and just kind of talk about our experiences with the game. It'll be great. And lastly on that, I really have been timed out with doing things that require time. So I have not constructed a website, but I'm going to do the next best thing. I am going to have a YouTube thing going until I get the website going and I'm going to start doing those blasted pixel plays in two weeks. Oh, great. They are going to be coming up. 
There will be dialogue about games, so get your game suggestions. Right. And if you got them for games you want to have discussed on Pixel Plays, it's just dialogue about cool games, what I think of them. You know, What's games the first game? Man. Well, I already have um, one. I mean, did some. What's the next well, do you game? Have an, well, actually, here's a question. What would you think would be a good first game? Do the, uh, the randomizer. Yeah, do the randomizer. I think it's a great idea. What's the randomizer? The... Uh, Look to the Past Super Metroid randomizer. Oh, that yeah. would be a good I one. I would love to see you play through that. Or Act- talk about that, at least. Well, yeah, Act- you're going to have a heck of a time. <laughs> <laughs> I got a feeling that, that would be that would likely be one example of a game I don't beat, but I am sure as heck going to try, and I will write sure. that in as a potential episode. All right, well, one last thing I want to uh, mention before we head out of here is uh, September 8th in Connecticut at the Hartford uh, Convention Center is the Retro World Expo. Uh, Purnell and I, along with Ed Wilson from the VG Embassy, and just all-around amazing dude Cameron Worm, the Cam O Worms, um, we're going to be doing a joint um, video game music panel where we are going to uh, compare um, Japanese and American composers across different sound chips. I'm really looking forward to doing that. What he meant to say is they'll all be comparing Japanese composers across various sound chips, and I'm going to be struggling to keep up. Now you're there with us. You're right there with us because you are the master of finding all these awesome Japanese composer. Hey, hey guys, do you like music? Um, but yeah, it's going to be fun. We're going to have a lot of audience participation, silly games. Um, we're going to be really, really goofy. It's, my goal is to be as goofy as possible. So check us out there. I know it's the same day as the um, as the Legacy Music Hour is going to be in Salem, Massachusetts, and unfortunately. We're not going to be able to make it because it's just too far of a drive for the time. Yeah, we were going to try to do both. Oh, we were going to do both, and we were going to be dead, but we wanted to. <laughs> but it's just not going to happen. So if you can't make it out to that and you're near Connecticut, check us out. We're going to be there. Um, and, and that's all I've got. Chris, thanks again so much for, for spending the time with us, coming out here and sharing your music. Yeah, thanks for having me. I look forward to the uh, the Ease episode. Oh, yeah, you got to get that yes, in the books. Sir. All right. Oh, oh, yeah, and also next week we have um, another games composer coming in. Um, and we'll have that announced um, later on this week. I think you'll be excited to to, uh, to, to hear about that. All right. Um, so thanks for listening to Rhythm and Pixels. My name is Rob Nichols. And I'm Purnell. Have a great, safe week. And remember, creativity is the fruit of joy that stems from the brain. I just made that up, and it makes no sense. But no, the point good. of it it's is, good. honestly, I feel like much life and energy stems from the act of creating things the more you create the more the more you feel like you're a part of something like you're doing something things that make days that typically feel mundane are not so much so once you actually got your hands into something to build and create cook a meal build a little brick hut learn a guitar or an instrument play play a song or two i don't know create some cool puzzles that you can pass around to your friends i did a couple of those earlier today they were terrible puzzles but i made them you know, just try to keep yourself creating and not just consuming because it means a lot to your brain and your mood when you create things that can be used and appreciated by others and also yourself. <laughs> <laughs>